Politics, sports, movies. You are listening to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. Twitter. Twitter. Check out Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast at Bend Your Ear Pod. Instagram at Bend Your Ear Pod. www.letmebendyourear.com. Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank and I am the host of the show and happy you can join and listen. If you listened to previous episodes, thank you for coming back. If this is the first time you're listening, welcome, and I hope you will enjoy the show and continue to be a listener. This podcast discusses three topics, movies, sports, and politics. Each episode will be dedicated to one of these topics. Today's show will center on movies. The show is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and CastBox under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on any one of these podcast apps so you can receive new episodes direct to your device when they become available. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. This is a very important and simple way you can help the show reach a wider audience. You can also always get the show from our website, www.letmebendyourear.com. All right, welcome to the show. I'm very glad to have on the show with me today, uh, Neve with her Climb in My Pocket blog. I'm going to have her, before we even get started, I'll have her tell you where you can find her. So, Neve, where can they read and find your blog and also where are you on social media? Uh, the blog is at www.crimeinmypocket.com. Uh, it's just a WordPress blog. And for social media, I do have a Pinterest page and uh, you can get me on Twitter as well. Perfect. All right, so before we get into uh, the second part of the show where we'll talk about our favorite horror movies, I wanted to kind of get into the, the true crime genre with you. I have a lot of true crime podcasts that I listen to that I'm a big fan of. So what got you interested in true crime and more specifically writing about it? Uh, I was actually thinking about this. It's, it's hard to actually pan, uh, pinpoint when I got into it because it just, as bizarre as this sounds, it sounds like something I've just grown up on because um, it was... While I was younger, my mother was a carer. She'd work long hours. We'd be with my gran, and she was really into it. And we'd just end up reading all the books and things. And I think it just, yeah, it just sort of stuck, really. And, oh, wow. um, of course, then it just sort of grew into, I, I, back of my mind, I thought I could so I could maybe write it. So I thought I'd just sort of give it a go, really. And that's what prompted me to start writing. So this is something from back in your in your childhood then. So this is something that's been kind of a, a, yeah. a long time interest of yours. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, I think it is just something that's grown over time and yeah, it has just stuck. And when did you when did you start your blog? It was back in June last year, so nearly a year, just just under now. Wow, you literally started at the same time I started this podcast. I started in June as well. Oh, really? Yeah, literally. Yeah, I started like at the middle of June I started the podcast. Well, I had a previous podcast but then I stopped. I took a couple yeah. of years break and then I relaunched it this past June. So, yeah. So same amount of time. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It just it sort of started small. I remember it was around the time I think I came back from Download Festival, which was around June. So I think that's uh, that's when I started it, really. Now, let me ask you about I had a couple of questions. One, what is your do you have a favorite type of true crime that you like to write about or it's just the, it, all of it interests you? It's it's all interesting because they're all different, so it's it is hard to find a favorite type. I think I, I quite like the psychology behind like a mass shooter. I do I do quite like that because that's quite vast. 
um cannibals can be quite interesting as well but i don't really think i have a favorite that i'm like most interested in and what if you had to pick what if it's more than one that's fine what crime stories have you written about or done a lot of research because i've read a few of your blogs so i can obviously tell they're heavily researched you put a lot of work into each of the ones i highly recommend people read it if they're interested in true crime or are there any particular case or cases that really stuck with you as you were doing the research or were completely fascinating for a specific reason um i think the one recently that stuck with me i recently wrote it was richard chase uh the the vampire of sacramento I, it stuck with me because i'm not a very squeamish person because i've grown up obviously on the true crime and the horror films and everything but it's, i think it sort of stuck with me because like while i was researching it and reading about some of the things he did and you know his little his little sort of concoctions i suppose with his blender it, it really turned my stomach and i thought i think that's that stuck with me and that's that's one i find most interesting at the moment yeah no i read i didn't read that whole book i read the when you posted on social media and just even your little blurb made it seem like wow that's uh that seems very bizarre <laughs> anything yeah. with vampirism and kind of stuff like that i think people are kind of fascinated by yeah and that's it as well because it, it is it with twilight and everything as well vampires did sort of become quite glamorized so to see that sort of side of it where you know there's this vampire serial killer and it was it was just a gross case there there's you know and uh, yeah so that was interesting and have you done any and i'm sure you i don't know if you've done a, a blog about it but have you done i just actually finished a podcast regarding the zodiac killer uh in san francisco and along california mm -hmm. have you ever read or done any research on that particular serial killer yeah i've done sort of the it's not one i've heavily researched to to write about yet it is probably one that's, that's going to come up eventually because it, it's such a, a famous one so it's sort of basic research you know i just sort of basic stuff i know about how he did it and obviously that he was operating in san francisco and the, how he taunted the police's ciphers and everything like that but it's it's not one i've heavily researched just yet all right and what as far as what how do you pick which ones you're going to write about is it something that you look on your own do people give you suggestions or is it a little bit of both uh it's uh, it's sort of it's a little bit of both because my sister's into it as well so <sighs> we'll we'll end up talking about it over you know just talking about it about the house and whatever so it's sometimes recommendations but most of the time it is just oh, i'll be looking for a serial killer and i'll just flick through the internet and see see what jumps out and see what i like the look of what i think i could probably do something with uh, that sort of thing and is the blogging or the writing part of it something that was sparked by your interest in true crime or do you write other things have you been a writer and and have just this is just something now you're writing about how did that work as far as your writing in this part of it um no that was uh it, i have only ever written true crime really it is just something that uh, because because i'm interested in it and it's a subject i feel like i know about so i'm confident enough to write about it so yeah it is only true crime really no that's fantastic so no i appreciate that because i know it's a, it's a very 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 yeah. popular genre i love it i watch it i, I watch documentaries on netflix or read blogs or it's something that you know i think a lot of people obviously they're fascinated by it's i think it's that dark part of human nature that people yeah are, are fascinated with just the the what goes through people's minds what are their motivations kind of all mm -hmm. the things that are wrapped in the the true crime yeah that's that's exactly i'm the same i love the documentaries on netflix and investigative discovery all of that stuff i absolutely love so it is, it is it's looking at the at that side and seeing why they do what they do as well isn't it it's that's i think that's what makes it so interesting yeah, absolutely no i agree i mm. agree well, 
Well, great. Well, thank you for giving me some insight there. Cause like I said, I know, you know, um, my listeners, I'm sure listen to at least one or two crime crime podcasts I do as well. And it's a huge, like I said, a huge genre. So let's go ahead and get into the show today. So uh, I reached out to Neve because I wanted to get her favorite movie. So when we were picking or deciding on a genre, she said she was a big horror movie fan. So uh, I, that's not one of my favorite genres. So I'm glad she picked that because it forced me to kind of go into what I like and kind of dip into a genre I don't normally do. So I'm glad uh, to have her on to do it. So I'm actually going to have you Neve start first. I know your uh, idea, which I loved, was to pick uh, mm. three movies from three different countries. So that's a cool way to kind of uh, have a list. So I'll let you pick whichever one you want to start with. And uh, we can talk about that. Uh, I'll start with the, the first one, the Australian movie. It's from 2009, the, the loved ones. Uh, it's a, it's a favorite, like it's a favorite for me, I think, because it's, um, it's, it's just your classic sort of scorned love story really. And how she, the th- and it, the torture in it, it just really makes you think that you just sit there and, you know, when she's on about, when she's thinking of drilling a hole into, into the boy that she's captured's head and she's making these, they're basically little bottomized zombies and she's keeping them starved in, under her kitchen. It's, it's just creepy. And it's one, it's a bit of a girly horror film as well. Me and my friends would watch it a lot growing up, you know, uh, movie nights and things. So it's got a bit of nostalgia for me as well. So I think, and I just love the Australian horror industry anyway because they 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 tend to be a lot darker. I've noticed in the Americans or or the British horror as well. I don't know if maybe they can get away with more, but they do seem to be a lot darker. Yeah, I think I think that's true. I think in the seventies and the nineteen seventies, mm. I think the horror movies were a lot more raw and darker movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, things like oh, that, yeah. that that had a documentary almost feel to them. I think mm. you're right though. I do think they're they're there's a lot of, I think in the 80s horror movies too, I think it started with uh, injecting kind of humor into them, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But if you're looking for more of a raw, darker version, yeah, I think movies from around the world do that. Now, this particular movie, The Loved Ones, as I was reading about it, I think there is, to me, it seems like there's almost like a feminist bent to the movie. And I like when horror movies kind of have an undercurrent of something more than just being either a slasher movie or a violent movie. Is that really uh, a lot of what this movie does? Yeah, now that you actually mentioned the feminist angle, it is. Um, yeah, kind of, because it's as if it's not. It's as if she's powerful in a bad way. That women can also be that deranged and that that dangerous as well. Because she was the dominant throughout the film that was, you know, committing all the violence. I mean, in the film, her father was helping her. Like she, he'd help her kidnap the kidnap the victims, and he'd obviously physically overpower them. But she was the dominant. So yeah, I could you could say it is. It has got a feminist angle because it portrays her as 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 women can be just as dangerous and deranged as well. No, definitely, and I love and, I, and yeah. my favorite horror movies are movies that that they don't have to always have an undercurrent or something, but if they do, I think it adds to it. So I think that's a good choice. So yeah, that's a definitely a good one. So 2009, The Loved Ones, and that's Australian, you said, correct? From Australia? Yes. Yeah, okay. it's an Australian film. Is that something available to stream or on DVD? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. It is available on DVD. I'm pretty sure now because well, it's obviously about 10 years old and it wasn't a very popular one either. So I think it's probably pretty cheap to just pick up on Amazon. So... <laughs> Outstanding. All right, then I'll go ahead and do my first one. I did movies from different decades, so I picked 60s, 70s, and 80s, so I'll start with earliest first. So I'm going to go with 1960s Psycho, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. 
Now Hitchcock, of course, well-renowned film director, and up until that point had a distinguished career. Psycho has a lot of interesting stories behind it. It's based, they say it's loosely based on a serial killer story, and I forgot mm. actually the name, Ed Gein. Ed Gein, yeah, that's yeah, it. Gein. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> Psycho was a movie that he struggled, even as popular as he was, to get made, obviously because of the subject matter. But that movie, to me, still holds up as a pretty terrifying horror film, even though there's not a lot of gore in it. The music is fantastic. The black and white photography is fantastic. And I think it was unique for its time because the oh, main yeah. character gets killed off within the first 40 minutes of the movie. The rest of the movie is basically building tension as, as they're looking for Marion Crane and trying to find her. And Anthony Perkins' fantastic performance is Norman Bates. So I think that movie is pretty terrifying considering it came out in 1960. I think it holds up really well. It's one of my favorite Hitchcock movies and, and definitely one of my favorite horror movies. Uh, have you seen Psycho? Yes, I have seen it. I've seen both versions. I I seem to remember uh, better the version with where Vince Vaughn played Norman Bates, which was really strange when to see him in a horror role now that I think of that. But going back to what you said about Hitchcock, I absolutely love the, the way he uses sound in cinema because that that does even though he's not one that like you said uses gore and things he is one that the sound really creates the horror that's what makes it scary absolutely that's a great point and i think in this scene where marion gets murdered it's funny because it's it appears to me more gory than it actually is you probably remember it more gory but i mean you see the the knife going down you mm. see some blood but it's the sound and the music and the editing that makes it more terrifying when it really, really reality, it's not really that gory of a scene. There's a lot of quick cuts uh, of the knife, but it's really, but it's just as terrifying because it's in a closed space. She's in there. She's basically helpless to do anything about it. So it's completely terrifying without being really, really gory. Yeah, that's it as well, because I think she's obviously she's in the shower for this, for this iconic scene. It's the fact I think she's naked as well, but it's, it's, she's vulnerable. That's what makes it worse. Because you see that it's a, you're completely defenseless when, when you're in the shower if you're being attacked. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think – and that's why I think that movie is pretty brave because they – that mm. would be a climax in a lot of other movies. But it happens so early in the film. But the genius of that movie is that it sustains the suspense even after that happens because obviously that sets the stage for everything that's about to happen. Just even scenes when the detective comes to the hotel or, or, the, or the family comes to the hotel and talking to him, just every conversation is pretty much – has that undercurrent of menace that is he going to do something to this person? Is he going to do something to that person as it builds to the climax and you find out about Norman Bates and what actually is fueling his psychosis. So it's, it's, it's fantastic. I, lo I love, I love it. Every time I watch it, I love it even more every time I see it. Yeah, definitely. All right. So that's 1960 psycho directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, why don't you go ahead with uh, your next movie? Uh, my next one is a little bit well uh, well known. I have, obviously had to choose a Stephen King, and it was really hard for me. It was either going to be The Shining or Misery, but I have decided to go with Carrie, the 1976 version. We all we all remember Carrie with the the pig's blood in the prom. Uh, I think I chose this. I do I do like this because it is it again. It's that sort of girly, you know, getting a revenge thing. But it's also as well, I was I was saying this earlier, it's got that edge of, even though she's using her telekinesis, it's as if in the end, she's like, a, she's like, she is like a mass shooter because she's getting revenge. I'm going to lock everyone in school and she just, she, everything just catches fire. It blows up just, just like it would in a mass shooting. And I do find that really interesting about it. Yeah, that's a great choice. Brian De Palma directed film. I love that movie too. And, and again, as I was stating earlier, I do like movies that have a different level. So I think you're right. I think that, 
mass shooter. I hadn't even thought about that. That's a good point. That the thing I always got from that movie and doing research in the past about it and talking about it too. I think it's a movie about female sexuality. Uh, she's she's becoming a woman. Her mother is super religious and is trying to keep her to you know to be a little girl. Kind of all of that kind of culminates in what happens, and then she's you know she's tormented. You know, she has her first period. All that stuff kind of leads. It's almost like a female sexuality film that she's maturing. And then it just takes this radical form and her basically wiping everybody out that's that's uh, tormented her. So I, t- I took that from that movie as well. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that. The whole, it's, you know, her mother's. But I saw everything, as you mentioned there, as a factor that made a blow in the end. It's as if the film was building up to something, this big blow. And that's that's what I like about it because you do you do see that in mass shooters as well, where you know for months and months it builds. That's why I took that from it. But obviously all the other messages are in it as well, and that that was a factor that possibly made her wipe everyone out. Yeah. No, but I think the mass shooter, like I said, I hadn't thought of that before. Yeah. Especially when you take that's a great point you bring up because I think unfortunately that's become a very common thing, especially in the United States. Unfortunately, so that's a very good point on your part. I never even put that modern angle onto that movie from that long ago. So that's, that's a very good point on your part, but that's a great film. Brian De Palma, great director. That is one of the good Stephen King ones. I agree with you on the shining. I know a lot of people don't like the Kubrick version of the shining. I think it's fantastic. Oh uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, th- I think it's brilliant as well. Yeah. It's a fantastic, and I, but I'm, I'm biased too, because I'm a huge Stanley Kubrick fan. So uh, I'm very biased to that, but I think it's a fantastic movie. Misery also another great choice as well. Oh, that that was a brilliant one, Kathy Bates. I've I've loved her ever since Misery. If she oh. is in anything, I was like, yeah, I'll watch it because Kathy Bates. I've just loved her since Misery because she was Absolutely. just so brilliant in it. Absolutely. Do you get Do you get American Horror Story over there? Yes. Yeah. It's on. Uh, we've got all the seasons on Netflix. Oh, she was yeah. amazing in them. I loved her as Madame Delphine de la, uh, de la. I can't pronounce it because of the French de la Laurie or something. I think the the woman was called, and she was re uh, she was a real woman, and she was she was just brilliant in that, and in the freak show as well. Then she played a bearded lady, and that was brilliant as well. Yeah, she's always fantastic. Have you seen the latest mm. season, uh, the one that just passed uh, Apocalypse? I did I did start watching it, but I did lose interest because I did feel the Apocalypse angle could have been really good, but I I feel like it did dip. There's a couple of seasons with American Horror Story. I'm like that, though. Like, um, the fifth one, Hotel. I've tried and tried and tried so many times, and I cannot get into Hotel. But I loved, from Murder House through to Freak Show, I loved Roanoke. That was really good. Oh, I'm so I glad did... you said that. I loved, loved, loved Roanoke. That that season, to me, was totally bonkers. I loved it. It was. It had, like, it had a whole... Or like like a horror movie feel to it, and oh, it was brilliant. It was just crazy. And then when it turned into like a reality show as well, that oh, it, it was it was an awesome season. I 100% agree. I think a lot of people don't like it, but I'm with you. I totally. It's one mm. of my favorite seasons of American Horror Story. I love that season. That one, and I think Asylum for me. And I was saying this to my uh, to my friend. I think I like Asylum so much because um, when my gran was in her 20s, she worked in an actual asylum. And some of the stories that she sort of told me, and then when you see it on screen, and it sort of, I sort of like correlates. It's like, yeah, it, it makes it scarier. Cause like, yeah, that did actually happen. The electric shock treatments, and you know, just things like that. It makes it a lot creepier. Absolutely, Asylum was very disturbing. That is a disturbing mm-hmm. season. There was a lot of 
disturbing imagery and very good acting in it. No, it was fantastic. But yeah, I agree with you. The, the things that you see in there, you, even if you don't know much, you know, some terrible things happened in those asylums back in the time that they portray in the show. And it's, it's pretty terrifying because it's, because it's real, which makes it even more terrifying. Yeah. That's right. definitely it. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. All right, so let's go ahead and go to your, uh, what's your next movie? Uh, my next movie then was Eden Lake. This is a, a British one. And this, I think this one is so scary because for me, it is so real. Because basically the plot is, it's these kids from from sort of a, a, sort of a rough area. And um, this, these, this young couple go up to holiday by this lake and... And these rough, these kids from the rough area end up basically tormenting them. They do awful things to them. They're just really violent, nasty kids. And um, the film's obviously got a twist at the end. But it's scary. And I think I like it so much for me because it's so real. Like the, the kids in that are the kids I'd encounter every day, just, you know, riding around town on their bikes and things. And to see them doing that, it's like, okay, that could that could happen. If you were just walking through a woodland somewhere in Wales, you could encounter these kids, and that could happen. And that I think that that's why that this movie is always stuck with me. It's from 2008. Uh, Eden Lake is so it's pretty old now. It had a very young Jack O'Connell in. I think I think he was he was about 16 or something when he did this film. He was very young in it, and obviously he's gone on to have a really good movie career as well. So it is just it is just a really good film, well worth a watch. Yeah, I see it released here. It looks like it's got a running time of uh, 91 minutes. So it's lean and mean. It looks like it looked like a very uh, efficient film. Oh, yeah, it was it was all action all the way through. It was all the violence just chasing, chasing. And it, that's another one. It builds like it starts off with uh, like just little bits like them arguing about um, the kids. Were sit, the couple were sunbathing by the lake and the kids were listening to music loud. And it just started off with an interaction with uh, the man going over and saying, you know, would you mind turning your music down? And then, of course, it just goes from there really, really fast then, and it's all just action, all violence, all horrible. <laughs> wow, and I see uh, Michael uh, Fassbender's in it too, correct? Yes, he is the he is the man in the couple. He's the one that uh, first encountered the kids, sort of tells them to turn their music down and things. So, yeah. Yes, I actually forgot about that, you know, you mentioned. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. A lot of people know who he is. He's definitely had a huge movie career as well. Yeah, I just, I just sort of thought of Jack O'Connell because he, I, it always shocks me when I watch. It's like, yeah, he was so young in this because he went on to do so much as well. Cool. All right. Well, then let me get into my other film. So my film oh, yeah. from the seventies is Halloween, directed by John Carpenter. Now, this movie's had about a thousand sequels, and it's been remade twice. Have you seen the newer sequel yet? I, Greg, I have not. I haven't had an opportunity to. I've had many friends that have seen it. Most of the people are positive in their reviews of the film. Um, I do want to see it. Uh, I did see the Rob Zombie remake a few years back. Uh, I really didn't like that version. Sure. I'm with you. I didn't. I liked the fact. I liked the idea of getting backstory on Michael Myers, but then as I watched the movie, I realized that I was wrong because what made the 1978 Halloween so fantastic was kind of like the movie you just said, Eden Lake. It's very bare bones. It's very simple. And the Mike Myers backstory is actually pretty irrelevant. It's hardly, they just basically say he was put away for killing his sister. And then it just sets the, the, the action in motion. And that's all you really need. 
Yeah, that that's exactly it. It felt like with the Rob Zombie one, it was just needless. Because like when you watch A House of a Thousand Corpses, it's the type of film that's gore and you know he makes jokes about necrophilia and things like that. And that's that's just not Halloween. And it, it did just feel like he just pushed that sort of edge onto Halloween when there's no need. Like you said, it's it's Halloween. It's as good as it's good as it is. Exactly. And, and, and the thing yeah. that's fantastic about that movie, I mean, it was made on a shoestring budget. I mean, John Carpenter wrote the iconic movie, the piano piece that you hear that introduces the movie that everybody knows, even if they've never seen Halloween. And the thing that I love about it, like I said, I'm not a huge horror movie fan, but I think the movies that I end up loving are movies like Psycho and like Halloween, because you don't have to be gory to be scary. And no. There's really in, in Halloween, it's really not there's really not that much violence in that movie when you watch it. It just seems like there was because the way the tension is built and the suspense is built, it made it more terrifying or it made it appear to be more violent than it actually was. Yeah. And when you say about the tension, now what really stood out to me is when a victim is running away from Michael Myers and he's walking, it doesn't matter how fast the victim is running, he'll always catch up from walking. You never see him sprinting, you never see him running after his victims and that makes it that makes it even worse again. That makes it even scarier again without go. This is just like Yeah, absolutely. And there's another scene that I love too, and this is the thing too. There was a scene at the early on when he first arrives at the town and he goes into one of the houses and the lady the, the woman there is cooking and he just picks up the knife and you're thinking, is he gonna murder her? And he just leaves. So yes. the, the, yeah. the thing that makes yes, it scary scene. exactly the randomness of what he's doing is scary as well. Because you don't know what's he going to do, what's his motivation, what's going on. And that's part of the horror because there's – I think most people when they look for – especially something violent and murder, we're always looking for why did somebody do that, which I think why people love true crime. We're always trying to get into the why, and sometimes there is no answer to that question, and I think that's what's terrifying to people. When someone commits these acts of mayhem and there's really no reason that you can point to, I think that's terrifying. Yeah, I think I think that that's that's it. People want to know that there's a reason why, and if there's a reason why, you can stop it. But if you don't know the reason why, you, you can't stop it. That 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 is what makes it so terrifying. No, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, that's why it's mm-hmm. one of my favorites of all time. Uh, that's definitely uh, a, a good one. And from the '80s, it was tough for me to pick one. There's so many good ones. I mean, I loved. I like the American Werewolf in London. I like the Howling, Nightmare on Elm Street. Even though I rewatched the first one, it doesn't hold up as well as it did when I first watched it. Still a good movie. But mm-hmm. I ended up picking The Fly from 1987, directed by David, Cro- David Cronenberg. I, I, when I was thinking about it, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. This movie is fantastic. This is a remake of the, of the 1950s film starring Vincent Price. Well, has Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis. So if you know the story, uh, he's a scientist in the in this version that's trying to come up with with a new way to do things, and then he ends up unintentionally crossing his DNA with a fly. And the second half of the film is him deteriorating and becoming that. And it's terrifying visually. It's a body horror film, so that's what David Cronenberg specializes in. And it's terrifying for that. And it's got such a actually a beautifully sad. You just it's tragic what happens to him. He falls in love with this woman. He's, he's deteriorating and becoming the fly. It's, it's incredibly sad as well as horrifying. One of my favorite horror movies, uh, and that's why I picked that one, because I hadn't seen it in a long time. And it's one I think a lot of people don't talk about when they talk about horror movies. No, it's uh, it's not one I'd first think of really as horror movies, because it's not really my type of horror. It's got a real sci-fi vibe. Yeah. I, I feel the fly has. 
but it is like you said about the go and in the flat and how how he tur- you know he starts turning and things and the end it it is a, a tragic end. Yeah, absolutely. It was just one that visually, and and it was one I thought of too. And that's true. I think you're right. It has the com- combo horror sci-fi. So yeah, definitely not a pure horror movie. Mm. I just always thought of it just because of what happens to him is horrifying. But yeah, that's a great point as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. What uh, are there any horror films from the '80s that you liked, uh, American or otherwise, from the 1980s that that stick out to you? There's a, there's a few from the '80s actually. That's the '70s, '80s, and sort of '90s were sort of horror do- uh, decades. So the '80s were hard for me, like you said, Nightmare on Elm Street. That was really good. I did really like that. Um, the Shining was from the 1980s. I really liked that version. Jack Nicholson was brilliant. Um, there was the gremlins as well even though i know that's not horror in the terms of you know it's scary but you you sort of see it you know it's obviously monsters isn't it so it's horror poltergeist is just a classic as well uh friday the 13th i i love that my mother remembers going to see that in cinema and i'm so jealous of that that was another brilliant one from the 80s and another one going back to vampires and one of my one of my absolute favorite vampires vampire films is the lost boys as well that was a really good one and the soundtrack on it was just brilliant no all good choices i definitely yeah the 80s were a pretty golden time for mm. horror as well i agree yeah shining like you said on i met on elm street like i said there's earlier the howling i liked actually another one that i just thought of was clive barker's hellraiser i love that film as well yes yeah that's a, that's one that i saw that's a dirty, grimy, low-budget, really good horror movie. And, of course, Clive Barker being a horror author, he did a fantastic job directing that film of his story. That's one of my favorites, too. That's a really good one. Uh, going into the 80s as well, you, you mentioned Halloween being your favorite from the 70s. In 19... I think it was 1980 was the second Halloween, or 1980, 1981, maybe, the second Halloween. I always found that just as scary as because obviously it was set when Laurie Strode was saved and she was sent to hospital but obviously he still continues pursuing her and takes out the hospital staff I always found that one really scary as well and just as iconic as the first one as well obviously the second because it just it just continues from the first film yeah I agree that one I think yeah that's not a great choice because I actually hadn't seen Halloween 2 until about five or six years ago believe it or not and finally got around to watching I agree with you that's a really underrated movie I was ready to not like it because i have such an iconic status of the first one but i think that Mm. was a strong sequel i agree it was very terrifying setting it in the hospital i think was smart it made it more claustrophobic more scary no i agree with you i think that's a very good movie as well oh yeah it it is brilliant i remember i think the first time i watched it, i was quite young the first time and it did terrify me it was absolutely terrifying (laughs) no definitely good choice good choice so since we picked or you picked horror and i'm glad because like i said it's not one that i go to all the time what is it about horror films that draw you? What what makes that your favorite genre of movie? I think it's, uh, I'm not really sure. Like, I think I like the adrenaline rush. You know, when you sit down, you have a really good jump scare. And then you sort of, you sort of come down from the jump scare. But I'm really, I'm really fussy when it comes to my horror as well. Like, I don't like any of this new paranormal stuff. Like, you see in things like The Conjuring and paranormal activity and all that. I really don't like it and I think that's because it's not real I like it to be real and I think I think that's what it is it's just that that general that adrenaline rush of oh that could happen or somebody could break into my house and do that that sort of thing that I think that's what people enjoy it's the little rush of adrenaline good you literally took my next question that was what I was literally going to ask you what do you think of the modern batch of horror movies like The Conjuring and Insidious and 
the those movies. So you answered my question. So yeah, I think there is a definitive difference to what people like. I think people either like the like you said the more grounded in reality slash slasher movie or the paranormal kind of either other dimension or something spiritually or something to there. So no, I think you're right. I think there's a definitive difference. And I think I actually I can't believe I didn't bring up The Exorcist when I was talking about these movies. That's one of the greatest ones ever, actually. Yeah, actually, yeah, The Exorcist. I can't believe I forgot about that as well. That is a really good one, like an absolute classic. Yeah, because I think even though that's based in basically all spiritual and paranormal, mm. if you will, I think the the way it's done is 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 so hard. It's so unsettling. It's it's really like even if you don't believe in any of that stuff, that's why that's such a fantastic movie. Even if you don't believe in God or the devil or possession, it's still a terrifying movie. Oh yeah, it is. It's uh, and I think as well, um, obviously because of the time it came out, I don't think a lot of people knew much, obviously, of, of exorcism and possession and all of that. So. It was shocking for the time, and I think that's why it stuck with people because it was like the the first sort of glitter sort of thing of ex of exorcism, first sort of taste of something as terrifying as exorcism. No, absolutely agreed. No, absolutely, that's definitely uh, uh, the truth. Yeah, I know. I know those stories that came out. This probably helped the film. I remember they were the news reports are like people were leaving in the middle, people were vomiting in the theater because they were so horrified. Which I think probably the filmmakers were not that sad about because uh, you know that old saying: "There's no such thing as bad publicity." So. Plus, if you, if you read a horror film is doing that and you're an actual horror fan, you've got to see it. If exactly. I read, like, I think there were similar things with Paranormal Activity when that came out. They were saying people were passing out in the cinema or leaving. And I was like, I've got to watch it now because it's that. If it's doing that, I have to see what it's all about. No, no, absolutely. I agree. I think that anytime you can uh, market a movie that's that horrifying, that you have mm. physical reactions to it, I think definitely that is something that the producers really love. Well, that's great. So any other movies you like as far as uh, horror ones that we can talk about? Anything else? I mean, we covered a lot of them. Any other smaller films? Because you, you brought some films, I think, that maybe people don't know about. So I'm glad you brought those to the table. Uh, some foreign films that maybe American audiences are not aware of. So if they're uh, horror fans, they can definitely check them out. Any any other really good horror movies, either from, from Australia, England, or from around the world that you've watched that maybe a lot of people wouldn't know about? actually thinking about that because i know we were doing a top three i decided to do the three but you seem to forget that i seem to forget that canada have a horror industry as well yeah and on the 80s films there's the original version of my bloody valentine i always really enjoyed that that was a re that's a really good version it shows it's uh this story of a minor that was injured in a mine because his supervisors didn't turn off like a gas leak or something. There was an explosion, a collapse, which ended with um, him being injured, a lot of them being killed down there. And year, a year later, for Valentine's Day, he decides to go and commit and uh, go and kill people out of revenge. And that's what the film is about. And I really enjoyed that version. That was really good. That's another one, a Canadian one. It was Black Christmas. This is actually a Christmas tradition. We've got Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2, Die Hard, and then and then Black Christmas then to finish the night. That's another Canadian one where there's a man hiding in the attic of a sorority and he's do it's the first of the sort of menacing phone calls where the, he sort of phones them to torment the girls and then he starts obviously picking them off one by one but nobody notices because some of them are going home for Christmas break and that sort of thing. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, those are, yeah, my bloody Valentine. I forgot about that one. That's a great choice and, and uh, good point bringing up Canada, even though I know Cronenberg is from Canada as well, so definitely a Canadian horror industry, but he's brought up something that I think is very interesting and very, very 
serious to movie fans. And I think you, I know what you feel. Die Hard is a Christmas movie, correct? It is. It is a Christmas movie. One hundred percent. It is set right on in Christmas Eve. <laughs> exactly. I know there's been a huge debate over whether that's a Christmas movie, and it absolutely is a Christmas movie. It absolutely is. I've had this argument, and people trying to say that Frozen is a Christmas movie. It's not. It's set in the summer. She puts an eternal winter on summer. So how can you say <laughs> Frozen is and Die Hard isn't? When Die Hard is a Christmas, is on Christmas at Christmas, like. Exactly. No, Fro- no, I haven't heard that people think Frozen is a Christmas. That's a new one to me. No, that's ridiculous. I agree with you. That's not a Christmas movie. It's not. <laughs> it's really not. Yeah, that's outrageous. Oh, that's it funny. I be- have to uh, find out. I got to ask people. People, I did not know that. Thank you for bringing that up because I'll defend that Frozen is not a Christmas movie and Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It is definitely, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like the tradition. That's a good tradition of movies to watch. Uh, I have a young one, so he can't really do the My Bloody Valentine yet. So maybe in the future he can. Yeah, definitely. But Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2 are classics. He's de- you'll definitely have to try. Yeah, no, Home Alone, absolutely. That's definitely part of my collection. I do love uh, I love the first one more than the second one, but I do love them both. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first one is... It's, it's, it's always the same, though. You, you'd always enjoy the first over the sequel, but they were both brilliant. Well, that's been great. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, and I really uh, had a good talk, fun talking about horror movies. Like I said, uh, it's fun to talk to someone that really is into them because it's mm. not, like I said, it's not one that I go to a lot, and I have certain favorite ones, but it's great to hear your perspective on type that you like and why you pick the ones that you picked, and I think you picked some good ones, especially ones I love when we get movies that maybe people don't know about that are really, really good, so hopefully it'll help them go check it out, and then they can become fans of it as you are. Before we end, though, I want to give you another chance. Can you tell everybody again where they can find your blog and where they can find you on social media? Uh, obviously, you can find me on Twitter at Crime in My Pocket, or there's uh, the website then, crimeinmypocket.com, to to read the stories then. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for really coming on. I really, really appreciate it. This was a fun show to do. Oh, brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for having me. As I said, this is the first thing I've ever done for, uh, in terms of my writing. So I've been really nervous and I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You did fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, Please subscribe on any of the following podcasting apps, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or CastBox. You can subscribe to the show's YouTube channel under Let Me Bend Your Ear Podcast. Follow the show on Twitter. The handle is at Bend Your Ear Pod. That is also the handle for Instagram. If you have any questions or comments, you can email the show. The email address is bendyourearpodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review the show on iTunes. If you listen to the show on a different platform but have iTunes, please rate and review the show there. This will help raise the profile of the show and search results. If you think a friend would enjoy this podcast, please share it on your social media. Again, thank you for listening and take care.